John's going to murder me. I have this iced coffee with... Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing our updated thoughts on Celebrity Book Club. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. How are you on this sunny morning? Sunny, cool Midwest morning. Midwest weather update. Immediately, (laughs) I let Grace out, our dog, and I felt the crisp air. I was like, oh, I got to text Renee. (laughs) It feels nice outside. (laughs) And you did. That is really, truly what we do behind the scenes about weather. (laughs) Oh, it's a crisp day. It was 65 when I woke up. I'm like, okay. I just know. Um, I mean, I love fall weather. Fall is my literal favorite season. I know everyone's, a lot of people are summer babies, but I love the fall. I love fall Everything too. Everything about fall, my birthdays in fall, leaves, spooky season, spooky books, mm-hmm. pumpkins. I like could go on and on. I'm so excited. I'm so basic I and I don't care. <laughs> no, I, lo- I love all of those things. The only thing that I wish did not happen so soon I have a feeling the next time I go to the grocery, I'm going to see Halloween candy. And it's too soon. It's too soon. Well, it's too soon. I don't want to rush it that quickly. Yeah, I I know. I want to finish out the summer. I'm ready for pumpkin spice season, though. I love pumpkin spice. Do you like pumpkin stuff? Yeah. You do? Well, no, I do. I I don't. Here's the weird thing. I don't like pumpkin pie, but I do like pumpkin spice lattes Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. or... Pumpkin cookies. Okay. I don't know why I don't like pumpkin pie. I love I pumpkin pie. I live for a good pumpkin pie. Although, there okay. is there a bad pumpkin pie? Or it's just for, anyway. The, <laughs> 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 Hi, everyone. You want to start the oh, podcast boy. or what? Should we just kind of keep chatting? Can you tell we haven't recorded in nine days? I know. So we haven't we haven't got to really chat. I know. And last yeah. time we had a guest, so it's been a right. while since it's just been the two of us. But but here we are. Yes, let's let's get started. All right. Well, I'll jump in with our loving lately, and my loving lately is a podcast that I discovered thanks to one of our patrons, Ava at the Paper Bee Princess. She is as big of a Real Housewives fan as I am, <laughs> and came in hot with this recommendation. Now, the podcast itself does not focus solely on the Real Housewives, but it is called Beyond the Blinds. It's hosted by Troy and Kelly, and they don't only talk about the Real Housewives. What they do, they are essentially here for all of your celebrity gossip needs, and they take you into celebrity blinds and dive into the dark side of Hollywood. Their podcast is full of scandal, intrigue, and gossip surrounding your favorite celebrities, and then they note, of course, this is for entertainment purposes only. It's all alleged. So... The episode I'm specifically recommending is episode 48, and it's about the the Richards slash Hilton sisters of Beverly Hills. And before I dive in, Renee, do you know who Kim Richards is? No. You don't? Okay. I thought maybe you would. She was a big actress in the 80s. She was on that movie, something about Witch Mountain, Return from Witch Mountain. Oh, okay. 
No, that's okay. not familiar. I figured I would try because I know you're a movie buff. I am not. Mm-hmm. I only know Kim Richards from The Real Housewives. And she was an A-list child actress for many years. And this specific episode, wow, it is juicy. And it's it talks about the horribly traumatizing things she went through when she was acting. And her mother was at the forefront kind of spearheading a lot of the things like she made her do so that she could get work. And her sisters are Kyle Richards, who's been on The Real Housewives since season one. And their other sister is Kathy Hilton, who is married to Richard Hilton of that Hilton family. So they are Mm -hmm. a very rich family in Hollywood, very influential. And Kathy Hilton's daughters are Paris and Nikki Hilton, which— Okay, yes. Gotcha. You know them. Mm -hmm. I will say, if you don't know the Beverly Hills Real Housewives, this episode probably won't mean a lot. But if you do, it is— scandalous. And and I mean dark, not in a fun way. Like, this is some dark, tough stuff. And it talks about the rumors and details surrounding the sisters' lives growing up. And all of these things really contributed to Kim being so troubled. Now, I thought it was so fascinating. But I also really liked the podcast itself. I came for the drama of this family, but I stayed for the host because they have really fun banter. And every episode, they read different blind items about celebrities— They had an episode on Scientology with Tom Cruise and John Travolta and their involvement. They had one on Leah Michelle and why everyone hates her from Glee. They have a Taylor Swift one. Things like that. So I think if you like celebrity gossip and want to hear just two friends chatting about all things Hollywood, you might like it. This is the Beyond the Blinds podcast. Oh, all right. I mean, you continue to be the go-to on new podcasts. And I've never heard of this. Oh, I hadn't either. It sounds like a little bit of almost a, like a People magazine yes. turned into a podcast episode, yeah. sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah, because what blinds are, it's so interesting. I didn't really know what blind, I mean, I know what a blind item is, but I didn't know, I don't know where they get them from. <laughs> and I don't really care because they'll tell me what I need to know. But it's like, this celebrity A-list actress is going on behind the scenes of this blah, blah, blah. And like, it's it's names are redacted. But people know. It's like, if you know, you know type thing. Look, I don't know how they do it, but it, the gossip is there. I thought it was really okay. interesting. I like it a lot. All right. It weirdly ties in with my latest read, which I'll tell you about soon. Okay. But mm-hmm. when you are when you were talking, I was like, okay, this is, this is crazy how this happens sometimes because we don't share our stuff with each other. But wow. But I will circle back to that because my loving lately, and, and you mentioned I'm a, mo- a movie buff, which mm-hmm. I am, and mm-hmm. my loving lately is movies because we have been going back to the movies, well, all summer kind of here and there, but it seems like there was a lull, you know, with movie release for a while, like new releases. And Darren and I love to go to the movies. Okay. So recently we went to see Elvis and Mm. I'm going to start. Okay. I'll start there. I have two movies to tell you about. Elvis is incredible. I think that's probably sitting at my number one movie of the year so far. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, it's that good. Austin Butler stars. Tom Hanks is in it. I mean, what an interesting role for Tom Hanks in this movie because we usually know him as a fairly nice guy and that's really not what not the type of person he played in this movie. But the star is Austin Butler and wow, did he play Elvis? It, it was incredible. So I did grow up listening to Elvis's music on 45s, if anyone remembers. I know lots of people remember 
45 records, but I always enjoyed his music and kind of knew his story, but, you know, I forgot a lot of it. And there was a lot of new revelations in this movie. It was great. And I'm really looking forward to it coming out on streaming at some point because I'm going to buy it. Um, It's one I want to watch again. Now, this past weekend, we went to see Vengeance. And that is starring BJ Novak, Issa Rae, and Ashton Kutcher. And this is a quirky, fun movie. This this I had to talk Darren into because this is more, um, this is totally up my alley. But it's about a writer from New York City who gets a phone call one day. He's a very kind of a, a well-known journalist. And he gets a phone call from the brother of a girl he had quote unquote, hooked up with a couple times. And the brother is in Texas and he is under the assumption that this writer knew his sister way more than he did. And they basically ask him to come help them investigate the circumstances of her death because they, as in her family, think that he's her boyfriend. And so He gets it in his head because he's looking for the next best story and he wants to do a podcast that he decides this is going to be the story that he's going to make a podcast like think serial. That's what he thinks. It's going to be that big. And he has a whole production team, which when I I saw what they have um, behind the scenes on their podcast, I was like, wow, we have a little operation going here. But he heads to Texas and the story goes from there because there is much more to the death of this girl than what first meets the eye. So we both really like this movie a lot. So I would say two thumbs up because it did get a little nutty, but not enough to where I was I was like, eh, not, not enough to make me not like it. So two movies I highly recommend. And I don't know. I know you don't go to movies, but also – just this is not a sponsored plug by any means, but we are a like AMC Stubbs members, mm-hmm. which I do think if anyone does go to the movies regularly, I do think it's worth it. I think it's twenty five dollars for the what is year. It, what does it do? It's you don't have to pay the online fees for your movie tickets because I always buy my movie tickets online, and you could choose your seats and all of that. So you don't have to pay the fees. And I regularly accumulate enough points, which you don't have to spend that much. I always get $5 off, usually, every time we go. Gotcha. Okay. So it kind of like pays for for itself. If it you it really pays if mm-hmm. you go enough. And we do go enough. So that's my loving lately this week. I like going to the movies. Don't get me wrong. Now, we go about once a year. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I don't know. We just don't do it often. We don't have the same days off. So it just works out Mm -hmm. that we don't go a ton. I think the last movie I saw in person at a theater was Space Jam 2. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because John loves (laughs) LeBron James. So we like that. However, I love a good biopic. Is that how you say it? Biopic? Biopic? I think so. Yeah, biopic. I love a good biopic. And I'm tempted by that Elvis one. Even though I saw he's like dating a girl who's much younger. Anyway, that doesn't matter. The actor. <laughs> oh, he is? I saw this really funny like picture online. And it was him. Oh, actually, it was Selena Gomez, who is his ex-girlfriend, meeting his current girlfriend. And his current girlfriend was like probably seven years old. And Selena Gomez was like 22 <laughs> 
something. Oh, and there's a photo of the two of them meeting each other. She's like shaking this little girl's hand. And, and it's like a photo of this man's ex-girlfriend with his current girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, interesting. It's pretty funny. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Okay. All right. Let's, guys, let's take a turn. I'm going to share my latest read with you. And I am struggling to... I don't know if I recommend it. Maybe I will let you know by the end of my description if I do or not. This is The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. And this was a book of the month pick. I actually heard about it, though, because I had it on my August books on the radar. So it might sound familiar to you if you have listened to that episode. This one is the book that is genre-defying. It's about a father who is desperate to salvage what's left of his family And to do so, it means really getting into the gritty underbelly and kind of working with the cartel. I will say, heads up right from the gate, the setup of this is this man's young daughter has cancer, and that is what drives him to go for this one last heist, basically. I kept calling it a heist. It's really not, but that gives you the picture because his family is buried in debt because she has this treatment. His marriage is really going through it. And he reluctantly takes on this job as a hitman because doing so will allow him to get $200,000. And he's like, that would totally change our lives. He doesn't want to do it, but he agrees to do so. And he comes together with this man he used to work with and this other man he meets. And the three of them travel from Texas over to Mexico. And Quickly, it becomes very, very clear that something is up. This is an ill-fated mission. Mario is the main character, and he's like, I don't know that I'm going to make this out alive, and if I do, I'm going to be fundamentally changed from doing so. This book has a lot of Spanish in it, like paragraphs worth of Spanish. I thought that was worth mentioning. I really enjoyed it because it really put me in that setting because they're all Spanish speakers, by and large, the characters in this book. But you will have to translate some things. It's a lot of slang. It's a lot of conversation. And I do think the author did a good job in translating the sections that you need to know in order for the plot to make sense. Why I'm struggling (laughs) whether or not I with with whether or not I recommend it is because it is so dark. This book is very graphic, very brutal. I know a lot of people over the summer were saying that Ashley Winstead's book, The Last Housewife, is dark. It absolutely was. This is darker for me. This was much grittier Mm. and violent. So keep that in the back of your head. What I really liked about it is you have this character, Mario, and because of what happens with his daughter, you're rooting for him. You want him to get away with it, but you're like, gosh, I am then— For him getting away with it means that somebody gets killed, right? And so you're kind of struggling with that. There is definitely spooky elements to this. So there's something up. There's something going on. I absolutely love that piece because I really like scary books. And I thought this was pretty scary. What was cool is he used to work for an insurance company. So he understands about money laundering. And so that was like a part of how he was going to get away with it was, you know, being able to do that. And he is imagining what this future will look like once he has this money. But in order to do so, he's got to pull off this last hit. I found myself really kind of forcing myself to have to pick it back up. Not because it wasn't a good story, but because I'm like, oh my God, it's so dark. It's so bleak. It's it's really tough. He starts to question those around him, including the friend that got him this job. 
I will say, if I'm giving comps, this has notes of razor blade tears mm-hmm. with The Bright Lands by John Fram. That is the vibe, that Texas spooky supernatural vibe. So kind of put yourself in that mindset. I don't know who I'd recommend this to. It is a revenge story, but wow, was it violent. I will say, though, this ending was really good. The ending is really good. I know some people don't like to hear us comment on endings, but I have to make mention of it because it took me by surprise. If you want a book that goes there, that is not afraid to literally go there, then yes, I would say go ahead and pick this up. It has wonderful reviews on Goodreads. I do think people are really enjoying it. It's dark. It's brutal. I love the horror elements. And I actually really like, too, that the author incorporated some Mexican lore. So do I recommend it? I think so. But definitely take care. You'll know pretty quickly upon reading it if this is the book for you. But it is a unique story. I didn't feel like I was reading something I had read a hundred times. So this is The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. Hmm, Okay. In terms of darkness, or I guess I should say violentness, how do you match it up with The Cartel, which I know by uh, Don Winslow, which we've both read. I've, I and read. that was very, br- very brutally violent. I only read book two in the Cartel series right. by accident. I His, don't remember. I think that was. Oh, you don't? <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. That was probably five years ago. Four. All right. Because of the three in that trilogy, I would say that one in particular would be my opinion as the, the most brutal of the this three. This is the most. Possibly the most brutal book I've read in terms of body horror, like violence going on to people. Oh, but, uh, okay, well, so it's, it's my particular. Right up there with that, then. Yeah, it's my particular. Mm-hmm. It plays on things that I. Okay. Whew, that make me really squeamish. So maybe now I did who, like the book. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. to. I, I'm not sure. I would be curious, Renee, to see what you think because I know you like cartel, and there's definitely cartel elements involved. Well, I loved, I love the Don Winslow's trilogy. Mm-hmm. I love. I mean, that's that's. I, I always lump those, all three of those together and just as almost, because it really is one whole story, mm-hmm. but that is one of my top reading experiences, mm-hmm. even though it was so hard to read because it's very, very violent. I um, think this is different because that book, it's a trilogy, right? Or I, that book, right, those books are a trilogy. Right. You get a lot of pages, so it's spread out. This book's probably 350 max. So it's a lot crammed in. Mm -hmm. I would be curious, too, about the audio. Um, I bet it would be really good on audio with all the Spanish. I wonder if you would feel lost, though. I'm not sure. If it's that much Spanish without any translation. Yeah, I would say um, if you're listening to it and nothing that I thought was spoken in Spanish, like really, it's not like you're missing the plot. Because if a lot of it was slang, a lot of it was like back and forth and things like that, you know, dialogue and setup. But I think the plot points, the author then will, like, translate. He'll have the characters say what Gotcha. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So he did, it, okay. he did it really, really well. And I think if you are a Spanish speaker, heck, yeah, you would enjoy Because it felt very authentic, right? But, okay. um, you know, I will say I wanted to make note of that just so you're not mm-hmm. surprised. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I actually think I'm going to slot this in somewhere in the fall. I, I'm thinking yeah. September or October. Could be a totally, yes, this would be a wonderful Fall book for sure. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, you did a good job describing Ugh, that. Because I don't know. I really, I no, I, I, you really did because I wasn't sure about it. But the, but then by the time you finished, I, I, in my head, I was thinking, yes, I definitely am going to try this book. 
I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Okay. I'm Good. intrigued. All right. Yes. What do you have uh, for all right. us? My latest read is if I, I'm going on the complete opposite spectrum Good. of that, but it does tie into your podcast, Loving Lately. My latest read is Birds of California by Katie Catugno. Have you heard of this? Yes. It's got an awesome cover. I picked this up from the library once, but never got to it. Okay. And you know what? It's not about birds. <laughs> <laughs> no birds, huh? No, no birds. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't actually think it was, but it, it did throw me a little bit. You know, I came across this. I was looking for something short to try to squeeze in quickly. And I'll, I'll tell you, this is, a for me, was a particular mood read because as I'll tell you later with my other reads, I came off of a thriller that I wasn't happy with, and then I went to a dark other type of story. So I was really looking for something different, but not a rom-com. Mm-hmm. And so this fit the bill for me perfectly. Um, this is about a former child actor named Fiona St. James, and she dropped out of the spotlight after a very spectacular public crash and burn. I mean, I am. I definitely thought of Britney Spears and what we knew about her in the media and the tabloids. And that is kind of what happened to Fiona. The tabloids called her crazy and self-destructive, and they said she lost her mind. And mind you, this was all taking place when she was only like between 17 and 19. She grew up on this TV show. It was very popular. And the TV show was called Birds of California. At the time that the story is opening and is set, Fiona is in her late 20s, and she is working for her family's copy store, like a like a Kinko's, but it's her dad owns it. Um, she's trying to live a private life and having a hard time doing that, but she's in a great place. She is helping take care of her 17-year-old sister because her mom is not in the picture. Her mom left them. Her dad has his own struggles, which play out in the book. But Fiona is determined to kind of make something of her life. Now, on the flip side, you have TV star Sam Fox, who played her brother on the show. He is in a popular television show right now playing a heart surgeon, and it gets canceled. So he is very much still in the TV spotlight. He loves the lifestyle. He loves the perks of being a Hollywood actor, the fame, the women, the parties, the money. However, his agent informs him, your show is canceled. So all of this is taking place when they are both approached to do a Birds of California reboot. And that's where I'm going to leave it because... Actually, I will tell you, this is not a spoiler. This is part of the story. Sam is all for it. Fiona says, absolutely not. But of course, there is mitigating circumstances and consequences of what's going to happen if this reboot doesn't happen because both of them have things going on in their life that this show could either kickstart things, benefit them, help them or take them down a a path that they don't want to go back to, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And, you know, that that bit of suspense actually 
really intrigued me because this is a short book, around 288 pages. I immediately, immediately was pulled into this story with that setup and with Fiona. Now, I love when an author can present a a character for me that I'm like, okay, I like her, and now I'm going to follow this story. Here's what connected me to Fiona. I felt for her as to what happened in, in her past that played out in the media, but there's little things that the author puts in the story. Like for Fiona to, to relax in the evenings before she goes to bed, she watches true crime. She puts on the true crime network and watches serial killer documentaries. <laughs> and, I was, nice. and right then I was like, yeah, I like her. I like her. <laughs> I want to know. Now I'm going to follow Fiona because, and I love her sister, Claudia. You know, I don't often say that about teenagers. She was 17. Love her sister. Loved her sister, Claudia. And so the supporting characters in this story, this is what I really loved. Yes, there's some romance in this story. Quite a bit, actually. Okay, I shouldn't say quite a bit of romance. The romance that does happen in the story is also very steamy. Very steamy. So know that. But the supporting characters... And the little um, threads that she is able to weave with the side stories, I absolutely loved. Claudia and Fiona have a neighbor, Estelle, and she's in her 70s. And she regularly sits on her patio drinking cocktails during the day and reading on her Kindle. And do you know, it's like there's little things like that that just made characters endearing. There is family dynamics in this story that are very strained. There is a really interesting look at celebrity fame under a microscope, the paparazzi. It's set in LA. So if you like LA stories with Hollywood behind the scenes and gossip and clubs and TV, then I think that this could be a book for you. This was just the perfect fit at the perfect time for me. I read it in a day, actually, like in just a few hours. And I really was engaged start to finish. If I had to give a critique, it would be that I actually could have used about 50 more pages Mm -hmm. to tie up. There's some threads that I wanted more from because there is more to the story than meets the eye. And I know because I checked Goodreads after mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's a lot of people that DNF'd this. Yeah. And I think that they may be surprised to know that this story goes deeper and darker with its themes than what I initially thought. I was really surprised as to the darkness that came in. But also, she also made it funny. I laughed and I thought it was witty. But then I also thought this is of the substance that she was able to create in such a a short amount of space. I was really impressed. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I would have taken 50 more pages, but I'd also don't need all of my threads tied up in a in a nice bow. I don't need that. I was really happy 
with this story, and that was Birds of California by Katie Catugno. I'm glad you brought that. And honestly, gosh, we needed it after my <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> like we needed something to to take the edge off a bit. I did pick this up and I read like a fir- the first like, I don't know, five or six pages for no reason. And did I not come back to it other than I just lost track of it. So I was, I have been well, curious. I mainly did the audio. I will tell you, mm-hmm. even though I had this in print, thanks to uh, Katie from Basic Bees Guide, she sent me a copy a while ago. Um, we did a book swap and this was the one I I picked that she was like, Hey, what do you want a book anyway? And I didn't know anything about it. Actually. I picked it based on the cover. Yeah. That it's a she, good one. <laughs> I was like, that looks good. But the audio, Julia Whalen. Oh, know, there you go. Uh, you know, I, I know I just brought a Julia Whalen audio book last week. I'm sorry. I do really enjoy her audio books. I, I don't think that's the reason though, that I really, really ended up loving this book because I did. I, I think I would have enjoyed it just as much had I read the whole thing in print. Okay. Good to know. We do have a listener latest read that I wanted to share with you. And this one caught my eye. It gave me, and I don't know if this is an accurate comp, but the idea of you kind of vibe, maybe that's the only romance that I know that I like. (laughs) That's why I compare (laughs) everything to it. But this week's listener latest read comes from Julie C. Grenier on Instagram. She recommends Real by Kennedy Ryan. And she recommends this because it's a romance that is set in Hollywood. And it's about an actress who is managing her lupus that goes from a backstage Broadway to center stage in Hollywood. And I checked this out on Goodreads, and this one has a 4.51 rating on Goodreads. So people seem to really like it. And it looks like it is book one in What's a Series um, because it says Hollywood Renaissance, number one. Also, it's on Kindle Unlimited. And I know some sometimes listeners want Kindle Unlimited Rex. So I thought mm-hmm. this one was a good one. So thanks, Julie, for bringing that one to our attention. Who was the author again? Kennedy Ryan. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, let's get into Celebrity Book Club. I'm delighted. Yes. I'm so excited. We talked I about was so this. Excited. We did this last year and we really enjoyed it. I think we had a lot of fun breaking down the different celebrity book clubs, but we realized there's more to it than just kind of the big Reese, Jenna, Oprah, GMA. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit more to it. So we'll kick things off with sharing how many celebrity book club book picks we've read so far this year. And spoiler alert, we are going to get into some additional ones, including Netflix. I have not read any Netflix picks this year. I did read one GMA, which was The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocombe. I have one Jimmy Fallon, which is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I have one Oprah, which was Viola Davis's Finding Me. One Reese, The Christie Affair by Nina de Gramont. And then three Jenna, which does not surprise me that she topped my list. I read The Measure, Remarkably Bright Creatures, and Memphis. What about you? Okay. Well, you're doing, you've read more than I have. I thought I, for some reason, thought I had read more, but no, I have not. I have not read any GMA, no Oprah, no Bellatrist. I included that in my celebrity book club research. I have read one Reese, which I'm bringing today as a read. And I've read two of Jenna's, Black Cake and The Measure. Mm-hmm. Both of those were five stars. Yeah. So it looks like Jenna is so far my most successful. Oh, it looks like Bellatrice's August pick is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow as well. So I guess I would have read theirs 
Yeah, I think when we talked last October about this, I had read more Reese books mm-hmm. or maybe overall, because I think last year we did our overall, overall. Overall. So I, well, I've added more from Jenna. I don't know. Uh, I'll be curious to see how it really kind of shakes out at the end of the year. I was surprised because I think GMA, I'm not sure why I haven't read more of them, but I usually like their, like their picks sound good, but yeah. Now, when you come to Celebrity Book Club picks, do you pick them up because you saw, oh, this was a Reese pick or a GMA pick. I might like it. Or do you get to it first and then it becomes a pick? Well, I think that usually whatever they end up picking, uh, at least the main ones, Reese and Jenna and GMA, I've usually heard of those. Yeah. I think I can, I think Oprah, she often comes out with something surprising that's mm-hmm. not on my radar. A lot of the other smaller celebrity book clubs, some of those I haven't heard of. Wait. Oh, Goop. I was looking, Goop has a, a book club mm-hmm. and they had a couple that I hadn't heard of, but some I had. Um, Jimmy Fallon, I usually have heard of his books. What about you? What do you think? Yeah. No, normally I come to it, I it's on my radar first or I've read it already. And then I see, oh, cool. It was, sometimes I don't even know. And, and I will say though, I like what Jenna does because she'll have the author on at the end of the month in her Instagram story. And I've, t- I've, tuned in a time or two on those if I happen to have read the pick. But yeah, again, it continues to be, I think I've read them first or I didn't even know they were a pick. And then Mm -hmm. I I figured it out after (laughs) doing research for this. I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) But still, I do like to know what their picks are. Like I'm always like curious each month, like, oh, what's coming out? Especially, I mean, the, you know, the big ones we talked about last year. I'm always curious about Oprah's picks. I think you're spot on in that a lot of the times the ones that she recommends I hadn't heard of previously. Although I did read Finding Me before she picked it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I feel very cool <laughs> that you, I did that. You scooped Oprah on that. Scooped Oprah on that. Now, we also looked into Literati's book club. And yes. I did not know a ton about them other than I get ads for them all the time. And Literati is, it's interesting. It's like a book club subscription service. It's monthly. And they have folks that they call their hosts or luminaries. What they do is they have this set group of luminaries and it looks like they continually add to it. And each of their luminaries have pillars that they draw from. So for example, Malala was one of the is one of the luminaries. And her pillars are impactful fiction, cultural romance, identity, and coming of age. I quite like that they have those pillars because then you know, all right, if I pick Steph Curry, these are the types of books that I'm getting, uh, that I'm going to be sent. I also thought the price was pretty good. It starts at 22 bucks a month and you get the book. And then I think you also get an author chat. I actually was really intrigued by this too, because like you said, the price is good, but all, and you can switch each month. Oh, you, you can switch. You can. Oh, which yes. You, you can you switch. Oh, okay. Right. And a lot of them are celebrities, but there's also authors. Yeah. And you can, yes, you can switch. So that kind of sounds fun, it depending sound on fun. your mood, mm-hmm. because you can see, and, and they do allow you to see 
the previous picks. That, oh, right. So you get a feel for the so types you can of get a feel bringing. because yeah, Roxanne Gay is she's on there. That was the yeah, one that she, I was tempted by the most. I'm very tempted because I just I loved. I loved her book, An Untamed State, so much. I just, and I subscribe to her newsletter, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Audacious Book Club newsletter. I'm really actually tempted to give this a go. Yeah. And, I know when you, because you brought this see. up, you put it on our list to chat about. And I was like, wait a minute, I've seen it. But like now that I'm doing research, I'm like, I am tempted. And it's so funny, like as if we need a book club, right? Like <laughs> we, t- right. if we're not reading, we're talking about books, planning for the podcast, but I'm like, huh, this sounds interesting. So I was tempted by them. Goop, not so much. I, okay. I was trying to be objective. I don't care for Goop as a brand. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's mm-hmm. brand. It's not like my cup of tea. I don't know any much about it, but they list their mission statement, if you will. We want to read stories that make us think, that move us, that raise complex questions, that open up important conversations. We want to read books that they want to discuss, basically. Right. And my question is, who's we? Who is we? Oh my gosh, Tina. I was just thinking because I (laughs) I put that on our notes. I was like, this is all I could find about the book club. And who is doing the determining of these books. They don't say. They, they don't, don't say who's doing it, which yeah. is odd. Exactly. I don't know. It didn't seem to... And is it new? I think it's new from what I I think can it tell. is fairly new. Yeah. Didn't they have a list of the books? The recent... I only could find one. The first pick was Circa by Devi Laskar. Okay. I couldn't find much about it. It sounds like there's a Facebook group and a live chat with the author. I was not overly impressed. I'll give them time Mm -hmm. to maybe kind of ramp up. But this was not one that I can see myself adding to my list of celebrity book clubs to keep on the radar. Right. What about Netflix book club? Yeah, I haven't. I'm intrigued by it, but I haven't taken a closer look at it. And they also, I didn't know that they have a YouTube channel Mm -hmm. with a a series called, But Have You Read the Book? Mm -hmm. I do like to read the book before I watch a TV series. So I I, I definitely want to check out that YouTube channel. Yeah. What do you, I don't know. What do you think about the Netflix book club? I love the concept. I actually really like the host too. It's hosted by Uzo Aduba and I loved her from Orange is the New Black. And their premise is read, watch, then let's talk. And it's this curated collection mm-hmm. of books that are being adapted now, all of this said, I've not read any of their book. <laughs> like I, I I just got done saying I don't watch movies, but I like the idea of, of movies. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. But um, yeah, their picks. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, they had Firefly Lane, they have a Lincoln lawyer novel, they had the Bridgerton novel. And I think it's cool. Like, I think it's interesting. I think they had the Queen's Gambit as well. So it's interesting. I do think it's cool for folks that do like to watch movies and then discuss and maybe compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. I read The Lincoln Lawyer and the sequel, which I think was The Brass Verdict. I'm really pulling that off the top of my head. That's The Brass Verdict. Yeah, no, you're right. That's what this, yeah, their pick was. Um, but I haven't watched the TV show. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not actually inclined to watch the watch the TV show. I really love the books, but yeah, I am interested. <laughs> so we'll have to keep an eye on Netflix Book Club. Jimmy Fallon, beginning in summer of 2022, he actually rebranded his program, his reading program, to the Fallon Book Club, where he will select the books picked to read. And his first pick was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean. Okay, I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think that because celebrities are moving these books, once this book is picked, right, they are moving them. Some of the stats show that when Reese picks a book, that book will sell 700% better than like another unknown average book or whatever. My first thought was, why didn't Jimmy Fallon pick something else? That that book is very popular. Yes. Yeah. Are, are the celebrities under any obligation? Should they pick something that is less well-known or that is not being picked by other mm-hmm. clubs? I do think there is an obligation to make it a freestanding pick that's not overlapping with other clubs. Because now, what, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow would have been Jimmy Fallon as well as Bellatrist? And is there another? Right. And... Book of the Month. Well, Book of the Month picked it. Didn't yeah, Book, Book of, of the, the Month pick it? Yeah. Right. And so, yes, I think you're right. I think it's probably hard, though. They sometimes book t- books take off, and maybe they picked it before they knew that it would take take off maybe. in the way that it did. I do love when book celebrity book clubs like this pick something that is a little bit lesser known and like really raises that. I love mm-hmm. when they pick a debut, of course. That makes me so happy. I was nodding when you brought this up because I am always a little bit skeptical when it comes to celebrity book clubs. And maybe this makes me a snob, but I'm like, why do I want your book recommendations? Like, what is it about your book recommendations that's going to like get me buzzing versus like other people that I know in real life? (laughs) What do you like to read? What are your credentials? But specifically, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit self-serving because especially for maybe someone like Reese, we know that potentially down the line, this book's going to be made into an adaptation. So Mm -hmm. are they picking books that they know down the line is going to make them a ton of money versus picking books that are really great and really digging in with, you know, lending themselves to conversation? Of course, you can have both. It's not a one or the other type thing. But I always have like a little question mark like, hmm, okay. I feel like you see that with Reese's picks. Some of them are that good. You, you definitely do. Don't you definitely tell her I do. said that. Did, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we're just, we're just, that it is a fact though. That is what happens. We're not, this is not new knowledge. True. Did you know Jenna has, has her own production company now? I did not. She always, she, she hasn't always. No, no, no. Uh-huh. This is a recent development. And uh-huh. she is and she is adapting the feather thief. Oh. That is what I she did not is. know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well See? so Proves she's now doing so but here's what you with your point though, I guess a little bit now she's also gonna be adapting. Right. So are we going to I don't know. I'm thinking in a roundabout circle, though, can we trust if if it also benefits them, you know, down the line as a movie or TV series? Right. I think we'll have to just keep an eye on it and see, like, okay, if the book picks substantially change down the line, and we're like, this is not a good book, then probably it's because it's going to be optioned or whatever. I think at the end of the day, right, neither one of us are saying you shouldn't option books or whatever. There should be only one celebrity book club. But if it's getting more people to read, I'm like, okay, I'm all about it. And especially for authors who get selected by one of these book clubs, especially the big names, like that's got to be life-changing. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's, it really is. I I think in, in one of the articles I read, it, it was somebody made the statement. It was a, it's a win win for everyone. It's mm. a win for the celebrity, you know, because 
people are talking about it. It's a win for the author and it's a win for publishing. Is it win for the readers? I don't know. Well, hey, that's right. But they only named three. It is a win for the readers. <laughs> I bet it's, a, of course, it's a win for the readers because it gets people talking. Not if they're slinging subpar books. No, well, not, I don't think that'll happen, though. But that's subjective, right? True. That's a very good point. That's, yeah, we don't. We definitely may think that's an that. awesome point. Yeah, because I think they're going to pick books that are appealing to wide audiences, which mm-hmm. fair enough, right? They want their books to be as appealing as it can be to a wider audience. We are very niche readers in that we read so many books. I think sometimes the books that they pick maybe are meant for a wider audience. I don't know. Like they're easier. I don't know. Yeah. They're easier for casual readers to just say, oh, okay, this was a book Reese picked. Cool. Let me pick it up and give it a shot. Right. Right. I guess it's a great thing if you align, especially if one of them, if somebody in a celebrity book club, one of the celebrity book clubs, because we've named a bunch, but if let's say one of them is your book twin, mm-hmm. you just really align with that particular person and their book choices. How awesome is that? You automatically are going to get a book recommendation every month that chances are you're you're probably going to like. And so that is really fun for readers. And I do like to bounce around. I like to see who may tempt me, Mm -hmm. who really, and I'm hit or miss with Oprah, but I always want to see what What she's going to recommend. Always. I always want to see that because over the years, I have liked a lot of her books, and I'm bringing an Oprah book today. Me too. Which I'm so excited about. What if it's um, the same one? Just kidding. Well, that would be so interesting. I don't think there's any way that we have the same one, though. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that would be interesting. You know what? You're funny, though. You mentioned book twins, and it's going to sound like John just cut me there. No, I cut myself off because I just <laughs> I just had a thought. You, you mentioned book twins, and I find myself aligning with Jenna's picks almost across the board. And sometimes, though, she'll pick a book. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, doesn't really catch me. And that's what happened with her pick for August, Jamie Ford's The Many Daughters of Afang Moy. I mm-hmm. don't even know what it's about. Um, I was like, eh, I don't know, whatever. I, nothing really caught my eye. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just trust that this is a book I would like because I like her other right. picks so much. Without even yeah. like putting too much thought into it. I can just say, okay. Yeah, because she's picked The Measure, Remarkably Bright Creatures. Like, there are some books that are some of my all-time favorites that have been on her book club list. So maybe I should give mm-hmm. it a shot just to see. I know. And read like a regular reader would and just be like, oh, what's Jenna recommending this month? All right, cool. Let me let me try that. Right. That might, that, that might be fun, actually, for you to do that. And also because I think we both can tend to disregard books so quickly. <laughs> we, that, well, we see so many, like so many come across <laughs> our eyeballs every day. We yeah. have to like prioritize. Right. But this is a way, you know, the celebrity book clubs, the one that you align with the most, you and I, that is something we should keep in mind when, th- you know, maybe when we're stuck yeah, or then we just, you know, you go check out one of the celebrity book clubs and, you know, you might find a new book that you haven't heard of. I think it's still fun to see every month what they're going to reveal. Yeah. I think it's fun. I, I think agree. I think the way they do that. Now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the the side book clubs? Are they considered celebrity? Because Barnes & Noble has, they're called monthly club pit, 
weeks Mm -hmm. and they do a mystery thriller. They do a speculative fiction. They do a nonfiction. We don't hear that much about Barnes and Noble. I mean, but they're a big bookstore, a big nationwide bookstore. Those are not considered celebrity though, right? No, I don't think so. I think that's more of a, it's a bookseller. They're a bookseller and they're not a, they're not a, it's a company, but somebody right. runs it, right? Even though we all know who who Barnes & Noble yeah, is. Yeah, it, it, I hear what you're saying, though, because it is, I mm-hmm. mean, almost like a cele- celebrity from that standpoint. Um, I'm trying to think of something similar. I think if they're more similar to maybe like a book of the month kind of model. Yeah, yeah. Although yeah, book of the right. month has mm-hmm. different guests, judges that come in and like make recommendations. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. So that's kind of a sub-thread. Yeah, we'll have to put a pin in that because I feel like there's more to (laughs) unpack with that. Like we could get a whole entire new episode about Barnes and Noble picks and, you know, that sort of idea. What that would be categorized as. Before we finish up here, I think that we still don't have an answer to what we were wondering last October. And that is, how do they determine who gets what? We still don't know. I don't know. One of the world's big mysteries. I want to know if Reese calls Jenna and is like, I... This is my book. You cannot pick it. I I need to know. Or do they all do they all sit down in July and pick their books for the whole next year and they call dibs? Like I know. I I must know. We'll find out someday. We'll we'll get to the bottom of this someday. Yeah, sorry. I what were you going to say? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going to something along those lines. How do these books get picked? Are they actually reading them? Like, is this Jenna getting an arc of a Fong Moy and is reading it and like, oh my God, I love it. I want to bring it. I don't know. Like, how do you vet that? I know that we were saying last time that they have readers that help vet some of it for them. Reese does. Yeah. Reese does. I never, I, I never, yeah, I never got that about Jenna, but that could be different now since you know, she's also reading for her production company, I would imagine. Well, Jenna, I'm available. So I feel like our tastes align pretty well if you want to hit me (laughs) on. (laughs) Who is your, still, would you say, who are you tempted the most by? Well, I would say right now it's Jenna, which is different for me than last year. Last Last year, year I I want to say GMA. Oh, you said Reese last year? Yeah. I think last year I was, I was more, I guess, thinking that I had a better shot of liking a Reese book because I had a higher percentage of success with her. Mm -hmm. Now I think when I'm thinking about, okay, September, who am I excited about? I'm more excited to see what Jenna picks. And I'm always excited to see what Oprah picks because Oprah does not pick something monthly. I feel like she keeps us on a surprise schedule. Mm-hmm. We don't really know when Oprah's going to I kind of respect something. that though. I respect I a, know. you know, keep the people guessing kind of schedule. Right. Hmm. Yeah. But no, I think, I, I guess we didn't mention that GMA also has like a little sub GMA mm-hmm. that is their buzz picks. And I, I'm always kind of, I'm kind of interested just to see what their buzz pick is. For the month? Yeah. Have they announced it know. yet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look. I don't know if they do that monthly either. Oh, they don't do it monthly either. Okay, got you. I think that's what I'm thinking. It's not regular. Oh, you know what? GMA did a really cool thing this month for their book, Minka in Real Life, which is their August pick. They did a little free library drop and had an interactive map where stewards of little free libraries could volunteer to have this book put in theirs. And then they dropped it on the map and had people who were able to go and see if that book was in there. Isn't that cool? 
Oh, that's a great idea. I love that idea. And in fact, there was one near me. I just saw this yesterday. Katie Lady Reads came across. She actually got a copy of Minka in Real Life by doing this. And I was like, let me see if there's one near me. And I was like, oh, man, there is one. But I'm like, lady. Like, leave it for the other people. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> like, but it is, I thought that was like a really, really fun way to get excited about it. I love that idea. I I love, um, I feel like little free libraries are having a moment. I really do. Oh, I love um, because so publishers much. are requesting when we get ARCs, if we get, you know, to put it in a, or they're sending extra ARCs for people to put in their little free libraries and mm-hmm. post about it. And I really like that. And I need to see if my little free library is registered now that I'm talking about it. I don't remember. I don't know if I registered it. Get it up there, girl. I want one in our new, when we move, I want want one in our neighborhood. So that'll be my goal. I love, I I really like sharing books in my library and seeing, I don't know, seeing what people take Mm -hmm. and what people don't take. Yeah. Which ones (laughs) stick around? Oh, I know what I do. I've been doing a lot of drops since we are moving. I've been donating a ton and I love driving back by to see like, oh, is my book gone? Like what's up over there? Uh Anyway. I know it's kind of fun. All right. We better get into books. All right. Well, I actually, I have something we didn't mention. I have a Reese pick, but it's her YA pick. Wow. Believe it or not. So she does a quarterly YA pick. And the first book that I am bringing is Anatomy, a Love Story by Dana Schwartz. I initially got drawn to this by the cover. It's an amazing cover. It's this woman in a red dress, and it's molded into the shape of a heart because it's in Edinburgh, 1817, and Hazel Sinnott is a lady, but she wants to be a surgeon more than anything else. That is her top priority. But of course, because she's a lady, she has certain status. Her family is like, no, that's absolutely not an option. You must get married. Then you have Jack Kerr, who is a resurrection man who's just trying to survive in a city where it's too easy to die. If you're not aware, a resurrection man is a man that essentially exhumes bodies and sells them to medical colleges for their anatomy classes. This is a real thing that used to happen. I learned about it in the book, The Organ Thieves, because otherwise, how would they this was like before people were donating their bodies to medical science. Oh. This book. Okay. So the two of them, of course, end up crossing paths with one another. Hazel is desperate to get into Edinburgh's anatomist society um, because they're doing anatomy lessons and like surgeries. And she wants to be a surgeon. She wants to observe. But she gets kicked out because she's a woman. And she decides kind of talks to the head surgeon and makes a deal with him. If she can pass that medical examination without taking the class that they won't let her take, they will allow her to sit for the boards and allow her to be a surgeon. Without official lessons, it's going to be really, really hard for Hazel to figure out how to be a surgeon. She can't do it by just reading. So she needs body, which in comes Jack. And she starts to purchase bodies from Jack. Jack has his own set of problems. Being a resurrection man is a dangerous job in general, but all of a sudden his friends are disappearing from the streets and they work together to try and figure out what's going on. This book was great. I really liked it. I listened to it and I really enjoyed the Scottish narration, like some of the accents that were used. This is gothic. This is moody. It is YA, but it's not too young at all, nor was it too graphic. I will say there's definitely some talk of medical science terms. So there's medical terminology used. If that turns you off, you might not like this. I adored it. I'm like, oh my gosh, tell me more about this young girl who (laughs) wants to be a surgeon. What is she doing? And there's secrets. 
I, this so in the subtitle, it's a love story. I did not find this to be that much of a love story. I think there was like a, a a hint, a whisper of a love story. This much more to me read like historical fiction, little bit of fantasy, a little bit of gothic in there, and a and a secondary romance. I loved it. I thought it was dark. I thought it was entertaining. I have a beef, <laughs> and and it got resolved once I figured out that this is a duology. So book two is coming out in 2023 because the oh. ending on this one kind of goes left a little bit. I'm like, huh? But it makes sense now that I know it is a duology. So I still recommend this book. I enjoyed it. I will also pick up the second book in 2023 when it comes out. And I was glad to bring a YA book because I don't often bring them. This book is Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. Yes. Okay. That's what I was just thinking. You ventured out of your comfort zone I a little did, bit. I did, and I'm YA. Good for yeah. you. All right. All right. Well, I am bringing August's Reese pick. <gasps> Because okay. we talked, I mean, I didn't, I, I just realized we've, we didn't an, talk about the other picks, GMA's Minka in Real Life, the Jamie Ford for Jenna, This is Reese's Pick, Wrong Place, Wrong Time mm. by Jillian McAllister. This is a thriller. I would say a time travel thriller. This is right up my alley. This is my type of synopsis, I guess, premise, but I do have thoughts about this. So I will tell you, this asks the question, can you stop a murder after it's already happened? And this is about Jen, who is mother to Todd, and he is 17. And late one October night, after midnight, she is waiting up for her son, and she is watching out the window And she sees him walking down the sidewalk and it's literally all of a sudden she sees another man come out, kind of come out from the side of whether it's trees or like landscaping. And she sees him walking toward her son. And then all of a sudden she sees a struggle and fighting and she runs outside and her son ends up stabbing and killing this man. The police are called. Her son is taken into custody. Her husband ends up coming out and it's chaos. And somehow at some point during the night, she falls asleep. And when she wakes up, it's not too long before she realizes that it's the day before that happened. And okay, from there, the story goes. Every morning she wakes up, it's a day earlier. And so she keeps going backwards in time and decides that she is going to see if she can figure out what was the trigger for that murder and can she stop it? Like I said, I love the premise of this. I thought the beginning scenes were so compelling, so fast-paced. I was definitely with the time travel element. I can see the appeal of this story so much because you have Jen, you have her husband, Kelly. They've been married many years. They have a happy marriage. You get to know little by little by little. And as she keeps going backwards, you get the progression of their family life, their marriage, and bits and pieces start to come to light that not everyone in the story is who they 
seem to be. And the reader is kind of shown that in small snippets. But because it's every day she wakes up is something different, it did feel confusing to me at times. I did listen to a lot of this. I won't recommend the audio. Not that the narrator wasn't great. Leslie Sharp narrates. She was really good. A little little bit of an accent, which I really liked. But there was something interesting about this. And I've tried to think all week about what is it about this that did not work for me? And me as a reader, I don't do great with time travel unless the entire story can stay in a fast-paced action sort of time travel, if that makes sense. So this kept going backwards and backwards and backwards, but it gave us a lot of motherhood introspection on the part of Mm -hmm. Jen, because Jen is our narrator throughout the story. And so as she keeps going backwards and her son keeps getting younger and time starts to skip where it's not just a day that she goes back, but it's months. And then it, you know what I mean? There is quite a bit of motherhood examination of happenings and nostalgia for her and and her kid growing up and reminiscing and regrets. And I guess it really took me out of the story because that's not what I was there for. I I truly was there for what happened that led to that opening scene. And I know a lot of people criticize this for the fact that they think we were shown what happened, which I guess we were, but I didn't really think about that. I was wanting to find out what led to that and what was the situation and how does this, you know, how does a 17-year-old who seemingly had a put together life end up in that place? So I definitely was there for that suspense. There's something else that is a, I guess, a style structure for this author. Because Jen's narrating and because I listened to a lot of it, I could catch this a lot. But a lot of times, okay, Jen as the narrator would say, telling herself, okay, I need to stay awake because she was trying to figure it out. And she would know that when she fell asleep, it would be different the next day. So she would say, I need to stay awake. And then she would say, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Now, it was that repetition of language on so on random things throughout. Like, the coffee is hot, 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 hot. <laughs> and I was like, mm, this is bothering me. Okay, that, I don't know. That's probably a me problem, but I started to notice it so much <laughs> that it took me out of the story. Where I landed with this, probably three stars. Okay. It reached a point in the story where I was definitely thinking, I'm done. I just want to know. Although I didn't skip to the, I didn't skip to the end and I didn't skim, but I wanted to be finished. And I I don't like to feel like that in my reading, but I don't know. I'm a little bit of an outlier on this, I think. But anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad I gave it a try. It's Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. Yeah. I was curious about this one. You've definitely convinced me that it's not a book for me. Really? Which is okay. I don't care for time travel unless they're staying there. So Kendra does it really well. There's, you know, she's staying there, briefly will come back, but predominantly stays in the time she traveled to. 
back and forth. I can't really do Groundhog Day. I don't really love because it feels like Groundhog Day to the reader. <laughs> you're like, I know. It does already, a little bit. I already it does know you're going to go to the store. That sort of thing. But hey, you know, you can't win them all. No, I know. I know. And I'm, plenty of people are liking it. So I do love yeah, the cover I mean, <laughs> for what that's worth. I will say that the, this would not have pinged me at all um, unless it was a Reese pick. Because it was a Reese pick, I saw a lot of people talking about it, I think, and I got really curious. I'm like, oh, maybe I would like this one, but I don't think that I would, which is totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your book, to Next, let's head over to Oprah. And this is a little bit okay. of a throwback. Not terribly, but I finished The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris. I listened to it. I highly recommend the audio. The audio was excellent. And I will say this one took me a little bit of time to get sucked in. What it's about, it's very much in the spirit of the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. So if you think about Mm -hmm. that time frame, it is a story about the unlikely bond between two freedmen who are brothers and a Georgia farmer whose alliance with their lives alters his life forever. So it's The Civil War is just about to end, and you have these two brothers, Prentice and Landry, who were freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. And all of a sudden, they're like, okay, what now? Where do we go? Because they don't want to stay where they were. They seek refuge on the homestead of this man named George Walker and George's wife, Isabel. The Walkers are grieving. They lost their son to the war. And so they say, you know what? We need help anyway. So they hire the brothers to work on their farm and they actually form a friendship, much to the dismay of the fellow townspeople who don't believe that this family should be friends with freedmen. And obviously, there's a lot of racism that's involved here. And the brothers are making their way, saving their money, because their goal is to get north. And they want to reunite with their mother, who was sold away when they were young. Along the same lines, you have a forbidden romance story between two Confederate soldiers who have recently returned home from the war, and they get discovered in the woods. And that discovery alters the path for many of the characters it evolves. The story goes from there. What I loved about this book is the setting. I've read some Civil War books before, but I've not read very many set right in this time period, right? after it was quote-unquote over. And what happens to these men and women that were free, right? Where do they mm-hmm. go? Anyway, you, I really, really liked that. I loved the brothers. I love that this was LGBT. I was not, I didn't read the synopsis going in. So I was like, hey, okay. Like there's this whole other layer to it too. One of my favorite things though was Isabel. She is the woman of the house and she is not your traditional woman of that time period. She's very strong, has her own opinions. And I loved her husband, George, as well. He was quirky on of his own right, but he was really funny. There's a Funny is funny to say about this book because it's really, really sad, but there were moments of lightness, and it really did feel like these could be real characters. I will say it took me about 20% to be like, okay, I am all in it. I need to know what happens because I think There's a little bit of setup as you're coming to learn who these different characters are. But once you're in, you're all in. Oh my gosh, did I get surprised so many times when I was reading this in a very good way. Hats off to this mother. Um, I really loved, she stood up for herself. She was, you know, a woman of a certain status and was expected to do certain things. But she was not one to just sit back and take what people expected of her and take their opinions. I felt for them because they really were shunned by their community for being kind to these two men and paying them a fair wage. 
There's complicated characters. Like I said, I, I keep I kept getting surprised by this again and again, and I think that's why I really, really liked this book. I would probably, I don't know if I'd give it five stars, but I would definitely give it high four, <laughs> somewhere mm-hmm. in the high fours for this one. And I don't know why I'm not over the moon into the, into the five-star territory. I can't quite put my finger on why. I definitely think this is a worthwhile read. And again, I would say I would recommend the audio for this one. I can also see why this would be a good book club pick because there are a lot of things that I'm being vague about intentionally because I don't want to spoil it for any potential readers. I really liked it. It was The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'm staying with Oprah. Are you? We had two Oprah picks. What yes, I am. I am going back to one of her earliest picks. Ever. Early, early. Earliest picks ever? Yes. Earlier. Yes. In the 90s. This is, yes, I read Here on Earth by Alice Hoffman. Where did you get that book from? I told you, but no, this is, I told you there was book serendipity because I had just downloaded this. Well, I put it on my list of potentials to try, samples to try for this topic. And then you, Tina, were so nice to send me a box of books for my little free library since you're clearing out some of your books. Mm -hmm. And I needed to ask you this question. I opened the box literally the day after I made my list. And on the top was here on earth with your post-it note that said, for your little free library. I, you know, Did you, like, how did you decide to put that book on the very top? Did you do it because, you know, I like Alice Hoffman? Or was that just a random, random coincidence? Totally <gasps> random that coincidence. Crazy? That is crazy. Yeah, I'm like, what? In fact, I remember seeing that book and thinking, should I, should I give this one? I was like, you know what? I think I got it from a donation. I think I got it from a little free library myself. And I was like, I know I'm not going to get to this anytime soon. I just, I got a feeling. I was like, I was trying to give you books that I thought you might like. And, you know, that would be nice additions to your free library. So I I grabbed that one. And that's so funny. It was on the top. That was completely random though. And that's where you had the post-it. So I, I, how crazy is that? Well, I hope you liked it. (laughs) I loved it. Yay. I loved it. I don't know why I never read this because this was back when I was reading Oprah's picks. This book was published in 1997. Do not, I'm going to say this right up front. Do not let that turn you off. This book holds up, which is crazy to me that it, it holds up because I bet she, I mean, maybe she knew this writing way back then. There's no technology really in this. It's not needed. The story doesn't need any. So it holds. This is about March Murray. And after 20 years of living in California, she travels with her 15-year-old daughter, Gwen, back to the Massachusetts, small Massachusetts town where she grew up. And they're going to attend the funeral of Judith Dale, who was a beloved housekeeper for the Murray family, and she helped raise March. And she's also just beloved in the town. She was beloved in the town. And so what we learn is we get to know March first and her daughter Gwen just a little bit, real quick. But we're, we're thrown right back into the story of, you know, what's the backstory? And March's father, when she was growing up, he had 
I think he traveled for his work, but he came back with an abandoned child of all of all things. Sure. And yeah, mm-hmm, because that's what you do. And so this per- this child was Hollis and he had been in detention homes. March's father ends up saying, we are going to bring him into our family. Well, March had a brother, Alan, and he was not going to have it. There was a lot of contention there, but March immediately developed a crush on Hollis. They Hollis didn't talk to many people. There was something very secretive about him, but he had had such kind of a traumatic background. So he and March became friends. They spent all their time together. They they read, they they just formed this really unique bond. However, it was not a sibling bond by any means. Their relationship moved forward quickly and became much more than friends. And then one day, something happened. They were separated. And you know that that the story kind of stalls there. And then you'll go back to the present day. Now, what Alice Hoffman does so well is she gives us just enough backstory to be completely intriguing and compelling. And then we are right back into the present day story. Now, March and Gwen had a really interesting dynamic. I couldn't put my finger on March as a person, but I was okay with that. I like how Alice Hoffman, she gives you characters that are very complex, but you don't figure out that they're complex until you keep reading because that's how she creates this very interesting story. And they're also in this small town, there are supporting characters March's friend that she had growing up, her husband, someone who lives there called the coward, who lives a very secluded life. All of these people make up this town, but also make up the story and make it very interesting. Now, this is not a spoiler, but Hollis is still there. He ended up leaving for a long time, but he returned. He is there. Like I said, March is married. So when those two are reconnected, it makes the story very interesting. And something happens, things happen. And I don't know, I guess I would call this one of the one of the character-driven type of mystery dramas that just create an entire compelling story. Because I don't know exactly what genre I would put this in. There's some mystery, there's some Definitely literary fiction vibes because of how Alice Hoffman writes. Mm-hmm. Some of her sentences, you you just want to stop and highlight. You yeah. like it's that type of writing. I I just love it so much. I was really surprised at so many parts of this story. I feel like I'm not doing it justice because it is a story that has layer upon layer upon layer yeah. and depth and more depth. There is quite a lot to the story, and I can't tell you what is even involved because anything I would say would be a spoiler. Here's what I'll go with. If you like messy, complicated people, small-town dynamics, a story with an underlying dark vibe, very atmospheric, this is a perfect fall book. The fall descriptions in the cold weather in 
in this eastern Mass- you know eastern massachusetts town oh i loved it is there one too many sky descriptions yes <laughs> <laughs> but i will forgive that because i for, i you know i was like okay i i think we get it but it's okay i i'm going to let that go this is a story about losing oneself finding oneself family ties resilience and the highs and lows and complexities of love. I saw it um, marketed way back then as being a book about obsessive love, and it it really is. And I didn't know that when I started reading this, but definitely, definitely quite a bit of obsessive love and what happens good and bad when characters are grappling with that. So that's Here on Earth by Alice Hoffman. Oh, I'm so glad that worked out. I, it's book serendipity. I love that. It, is it makes me so happy. You know what I had to say to myself as I, I picked it, I picked it up, of course, and I was like holding it and, and I just love, I do love Alice Hoffman. Yeah, I, I love know. her writing. I, I did not think this would work as well for me as it did, but does it go on my five-star bookshelf or does it go in my little free library like you intended it? to go i hope you keep it do you want do you think i should you gave it to me for a little free library no i gave (laughs) it to you to do with what you felt right so i'm glad that you read it and if you want to put it on your shelf i would be honored to have it there that's so fun and plus we love a good origin story and you're gonna look at that book and think i got this from tina i know (sighs) i know that was so that makes me happy i love but i feel you on I feel the same way about The Sweetness of Water because I'm like, gosh, there's so much goodness in this book, but I can't tell you about it (laughs) because if I do, it's going to ruin the reveals. So I feel, I I just, I feel like you did a good job though saying if you're in the mood for this, this, and this, pick up this book, you know, without giving too much away. Yeah, it it is tough when, when you want to talk about a book, but then you can't talk about most of the book. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Just read it. Trust us. Trust us. <laughs> yes. All right. We got to wrap things up. We've been chatting for a while. Yeah, We're just I having know. too much fun. I know. Okay. And speaking of fun, this, okay, our shelf editions this week, I don't know why we like to do this, but we really like to predict what books are <laughs> going to be buzzy, what the next buzzy books are going to be. So for our shelf edition today, we decided to bring books that we think have a chance at being chosen as a celebrity book club pick Mm -hmm. this fall. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. You go first. Okay. Mine is Fortunes of Jaded Women by Carolyn Quinn, out from Atria Books on September 6th, 2022. Here is why I think it has a shot. It's a debut. It is a family story. It's got diverse characters, and it's got a great cover And it comes out early in the month, which is good for announcement purposes. This book, first of all, I love the cover. It follows a family of estranged Vietnamese women. They are cursed to never know love or happiness as they reunite when a psychic makes a startling prediction. Have you heard of this book? Oh, yes. Oh, uh, oh yes. Did you bring I it to the copy. show? The publish- no, no, no. Okay. The, the publisher sent, sent it to me, and I saw Psychic, and I was like, yeah, uh-huh. sign okay. me up. I got nervous. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, so everyone in Orange County's Little Saigon knew that the Dong sisters were cursed. It started with their ancestor, Ona, who dared to leave her marriage for true love. So if, oh, So a fierce— 
So a Vietnamese witch cursed Ona and her descendants so that they would never find love or happiness, and the Duong women would give birth to daughters, never sons. Ona's current descendant, Mai Win, knows this curse well. She's divorced, and after an explosive disagreement a decade ago, she's estranged from her younger sisters. Though her adult children are successful in their careers, they cannot The same cannot be said of their love lives, and Mai is convinced they might drive her to an early grave. She is desperate for guidance, so she consults Auntie Hua, her trusted psychic in Hawaii who delivers an unexpected prediction. This year, her family will witness a marriage, a funeral, and the birth of a son. The prophecy will reunite the estranged mothers, daughters, aunts, and cousins for better or for worse. This is a multi-narrative novel brimming with levity and candor, and it's about mourning, meddling, celebrating, and healing together as a family, and it shows how Vietnamese women emerge victorious even if the world is against them. What does this remind you of? Tell me if I'm wrong. Does this remind you a little bit of Practical Magic? Oh, with the curse oh, oh, gosh, and yes. the women. How did Although, I not have Alice? Yes, yes. The curse. That's what it reminded mm-hmm. me of. But I like it for a celebrity book club. I think it has a shot. I do. I can see this being a Reese pick. I can actually see the cover. There's like a perfect spot in the bottom right where it could be a Reese book okay, club. You're leaning towards Reese. That's what I was. I'm leaning ask toward you. Reese. Okay. I am leaning toward Reese. So this book, if that sounds, it, it sounds interesting to me. If it gets picked or not, this was. This was The Fortunes of Jaded Women by Carolyn Huynh. Okay, good. All right, I'm glad you um, went with a debut because I, my prediction, I went with a an author that we all know, and but I haven't read her books. So I'm going with Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this comes out October 18th. And this is, a, this is her first fiction novel, I guess, since 2007. And... This is published, being published by Knopf Doubleday. And, okay, October 18th, I said, this book is about families and the secrets that can tear them apart. The story opens on a summer night in 1985. You have three teenagers who have been drinking. One of them gets behind the wheel of a car, and in an instant, everything on Division Street changes. Each of their lives and that of a young man named Ben, who is a doctor who arrives on the scene, all of their lives and his are shattered. So for Ben's family, the circumstances of that fatal accident will become the deepest kind of secret, one so dangerous it can never be spoken. By the time The Schenkmans move in across the street. They are a young couple expecting a baby boy. The accident from that year has become a distant memory. However, when Waldo, the Schenkmans' brilliant but lonely son, befriends Ben, who is now retired and struggling with his wife's decline, the lives of the two families become entwined and past events come hurtling back to Division Street in ways no one could have foreseen. I will say, I will link to this. People Magazine has an excerpt of this book that I found. I read the first paragraph, and I was like, I need this book right now. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even read the rest of the excerpt because 
I knew I would be too tempted and I don't have a copy of this book and I would love a copy of, I, I would love to read this book early, but here's what I'm going with. Okay. This book is being billed as riveting, emotional, and impossible to put down because it involves families and secrets and it sounds, and because Danny Shapiro is an author that is well-known I'm going with Jenna for this. I'm going with a November pick for Jenna because uh, mid-October release, I think she could pick this for November. Mm -hmm. So that's Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. I like that pick because it is a well-known author, but she's known for her memoirs, I believe. And that this is this her mm-hmm. very first fiction or no? Well, no, it just no, it said first, first fiction in a while. since 2007, I think. Got it. Okay. So it, yeah, I think. I like that. I like it. I know. I know. I debated. I think that I could see GMA with this pick, actually, too, but mm. I'm going to go with Reese. Okay. No, Jenna, you said. I mean, not Reese. I'm going to go with Jenna. Yes. Okay. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like to come hang out with us and get access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to etc. at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at etc. on Instagram, Tina at etc. and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. I think I made comps in like three of mine when I was about to say the Underground Railroad by Colson White. I was like, shut up. You've already recommended so many, <laughs> so many books in this episode, but it's what it is. That's our gig. That's what we do.